And I pronounce your name Esme, right? Uh, it's like Esme. Esme. But I get so used to being called Esme because everyone pronounces it wrong. Do you prefer so. Esme? Yeah, Esme is yeah how I say it. Thank you. Thanks for checking because no one ever does. <laughs> oh, we have a tendency to butcher names. Yeah. <laughs> the person's name could be Michael and I'll still be like, okay, I'm pronouncing it. It'll be like Michael. Michael. <laughs> yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 78 of The Third Wheel. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Conway. And I'm your other host, Hamish. And today we are joined by Esme Todd. How are you doing, Esme? And hey. would you like to introduce yourself a bit? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Hope you are too. Yeah, so what should I say? I'm a presenter. I do mainly kids content and education and corporate and anything that I can do, you know, and you have to just take every job. No, I'm joking. But yeah, I do lots of different stuff. And yeah, that's kind of me, I guess. So we don't really like say like how we kind of like know each other, but you kind of found us through Amber's episode. Yeah. So I came across you guys and just really liked the idea of it. And yeah, we've spoken since and here, and here we are. Is Amber someone you know personally or is it kind of through the presenter? Through the presenter kind of world. Yeah, the grapevine of presenting. You just end up picking up names, you know. I don't I've never met her personally, but we've spoken on Instagram and I think I always say, Oh yeah, I know that person, but you don't I don't know them personally. I just yeah, know yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah. I think I found that a lot with guests we've had on the podcast. Like a lot of the time it's just been people from uni. Yeah. I never spoke to them personally, but I just knew of their name. Yeah, it's just easy to, you just see names. And then I think because of everyone being so on social media, you think you know someone more than you do. Like I don't know anything personal about a lot of these people, but you think you know them because you see them on Instagram stories and posting and stuff. So yeah, I know her to that extent. <laughs> if Amber <laughs> listens to this, yeah, hi Amber, I do know you a bit. <laughs> yeah, she's just sitting there Shout listening and be like, oh wait, we, we do know each other. <laughs> no, it'll be worse if she sat there thinking, who is she yeah. and why is she claiming to know me? That, that that would be a bit awkward. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, presenting, how does that all like start getting into that industry? So I think the first thoughts I had was when I was probably a teenager and I wasn't, I, I was confident in, so, in like social ways, but I wasn't someone who could get up and talk in front of a load of people. But I always liked the idea of being a presenter. So that's a, the weird thing is it like in primary school, I was quite shy. So it was like a really weird transition. And I used to watch programs like, you know, like Red Nose Day or like Comic Relief or Children in Need, like these big studio shows. And when I used to watch them, I used to always say, oh, I'd love to be involved in one of those things. You know, it's a, that's a really weird way to say I want to start. But anyway, <laughs> and then, yeah, so I started off like watching those things and thinking, oh, I really, I'd love to be a presenter. And then didn't pursue it. Thought I wanted to be a midwife when I was leaving sixth form. So I was starting on those kind of wheels, getting into that. And then I hated like hospitals and that shift patterns and the sadness you see it, you know, in that environment. So I thought, I don't want to do this. And then I thought if I'm ever going to give it a go, now is the time I'm going to give this a go. Yeah. So yeah, I just went and I quit my job. And I got a part-time job somewhere else. Yeah, I got in touch with a local TV company in Bristol called Made in Bristol. So I don't know where you guys are based, but a lot of major cities have their own sort of TV channel on like Channel 7, I think it is on Freeview. London Live or That's Manchester or Made in Bristol, Made in Cardiff. Made's got quite a few. Yeah, so I went there and I sort of loitered for ages trying to like do any work experience they'd give me. And eventually they decided they wanted a weather presenter. And it didn't matter to them that I had no experience, you know, no, no stage presence at that point. But they gave me a go. And then they were like, do you know what? You can have the job. And I was like, 
yeah, sorted. So I just know <laughs> I that's how I got into it really. And I was a weather presenter there for about a year and then I got made redundant in the end. They decided they didn't want to present the weather anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> on a quick side note, <laughs> shout out to that weather presenter on what is a good morning Britain that took Piers Morgan's job. Yes. Alex Ferrisford. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. It was Alex Ferrisford, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. I think he's from Bristol, maybe from my area-ish, maybe, because I'm, or at least he lived in Bristol, because I know he used to work at our local BBC News, I think, as like the person who used to scroll the auto queue. I might be wrong, because I know someone who used to work with him, and he was the one who, there's literally someone who just, that's their job, Wait, to scroll the auto scrolls, queue. I thought the auto queue was automatic. No, so it's like, because it has to go to their speed of who's speaking. So I think in America, they sometimes have those foot pedals under the desk, so they can speed it up and then reverse it. But in the UK, sometimes they have someone who literally scrolls the autocue at the speed of who's talking. Oh, what? yeah. I thought it was just like an average speed. So like, even if you were, oh, I don't know. I just no, because it's, it's live. Yeah. yeah, if it's live and then they, they speak too quick and then they couldn't see where they were at on the screen, they have to keep it. So yeah. <laughs> I thought they had to like be able to speak a certain level of fast. Otherwise mm. you couldn't do it. Yeah. No, yeah, they're just, I mean... Yeah, no, they, I think it's it's normally not automatic, I would say. I mean, sometimes when I use autocue, they don't scroll it for me because it would just be, I've got to regulate my pace. So I, this is more of a news thing, I think. I don't know if they always, I, I mean, during COVID, they definitely won't be paying someone to come in, I doubt, and scroll the autocue. <laughs> it's definitely probably not an essential role, but who knows? They, they've got those foot pedals as well. And Alex Ferris did that. Oh, that's, that's a come up, that is. <laughs> I think so, because I know someone who I used to work with who used to present, he's older, and he used to present on, I don't know if it was BBC or I, it was BBC local news. And yeah, Alex Burford was the person who scrolled his autocue. And look at him now. He's showing up Piers Morgan yeah. and, you know, doing the world a good service. But yeah, I forgot. I totally forgot where we were. Yeah, apologies. I, uh, so, <laughs> so, oh, actually, weather presenting, that's quite a. Yeah. How does, is it like a, it's a massive green screen, right? Yeah, let, let me be clear with this. I am no trained like meteorologist or anything like that. So when yeah. you see the people on BBC and ITV and everything, they actually know what they're talking about. We got sent these. It was actually really weird. We got sent these graphics from, I think it was like New Zealand or something. I, I don't know. They Some company in New Zealand would make these graphics. And bearing in mind, they're obviously like, how many hours ahead? Is it like 12 hours or whatever? 13 hours. They would send us these graphics. So by the time we go in came in in the morning ready to use the graphics. They were like wildly out of date because, you know, 14 hours is quite a big amount of time for the weather to change. Yeah. So we'd be using really out of date graphics. So the weather forecast was always really inaccurate and there's often mistakes on them. And all I did is I got this little map with a little theme tune on it and it had numbers and the symbols and I would just write a script based off what I could see with no other understanding or knowledge of what <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just, I just assume most weather presenters aren't really experts in weather. No, they are. Oh, they are? So I think back in the day, like originally, I think you just had to like present the weather, be good at presenting, and that was kind of it. Whereas now, I think because obviously it's competitive, you do actually have to know what you're talking about. So normally when they put out a job for a weather presenter on ITV or BBC, it will you it will say you need to have knowledge of meteorology and a passion for it as well. You know, you can't just be someone who's a presenter anymore because what they do is they don't have a script or auto cue. They are literally telling you the weather from their own knowledge. So yeah, it's quite mm. a difficult skill really. And you've got to sit there and have many minutes and describe what you can see on the map without any script in front of you. 
Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So you started off in the presenting world as a weather presenter. Yeah. And then you were there, you said for like a year-ish? Yeah. And then, but in that year we did other things. So we had this show that was basically like the one show, but for Bristol. So it was very similar, but it was two hours every night live just for Bristol. It was actually incredibly ambitious that we put this out. And it had two main presenters. My, my weather would go into that show. And then there would be like live reporters, like maybe say, let's say that there was an event in Bristol, you know, pre-COVID, this was like 2017, or yeah, something had opened, that sort of thing, or a band had come into town, there would be a live reporter there and asking them questions. So I did a bit of the live stuff and then also hosted the show a few times as cover. And then I had my own show on their channel as well, which is for Christmas, which I, I look back now and cringe because, you know, when you like see something that is so far away, oh God, it's so embarrassing. And they still rerun it now. And every time I see it, it just, it's awful. Your own show though, was that kind of like pretty big at the time for you? Uh, yeah, I guess it was. I mean, I don't think I appreciated it back then because due to the nature of what it was like in local TV, you can literally put out whatever you want in a way because it's not got all the regulations as like a, a big broadcaster. So obviously it had to be good enough, but we were mainly all sort of like just come out of uni. You know, I hadn't gone to uni, but most people had just come out of uni and it was, it was like everyone's first job. So I think there was a level of some of the things were a bit more basic, but that's mm. more because of budget rather than anything else. Like we just, everyone's gone on to do really good things. It's a great training ground. That's what I'd say. Everyone came out of it to do really good things afterwards, like working for ITV, Sky News, BBC. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's just embarrassing because it's it's one of my first things I did, and it was a big thing at the time. But I don't think I appreciated it at the time, you know. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. But what it's worth, I think, in ten years we're going to look back at this and be like, ugh. What, what <laughs> when you're doing? hosting a major podcast and you'll look back on this and think, oh god, why did we get Esme on there? Nah, nah, nah. No, no. By that point, you'll be like. Where, where would you prefer to be from here then, I guess? Where would I like to be? I don't know, to be honest. I'd like to do children's TV. That's my current goal. I don't like to think too far ahead because that's so unachievable. But I like to think my current thing is I would love to do kids TV. I work for, do you know the toy shop, The Entertainer? Yeah, I remember. Used to be, I don't know if there still is a shop in the local, my closest shopping centre. They, they seem used to have to be, yeah. loads. There's like hundreds of them. Yeah, I suppose after Toys R Us have gone, the entertainer is one of the big ones now. And there's four of us who are like their regular presenters. So we have like a fake name rather than being ourselves. But they originally didn't want us to like be found because okay. I don't know, their own, they had reasons. But here I am talking about it. So <laughs> I just, I'm not doing the best like, job anyway. What get more clicks, Esme or your fake entertainer name? Are we allowed to know your fake entertainer name? I'm Izzy because they just wanted to have... So when I do my, my videos, it's like, hey, it's Izzy here from the Entertainer Squad. That's what we call the Entertainer Squad. Yeah. <laughs> and we like unbox toys and I've interviewed celebrities through them and stuff. So that goes out on all their like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, whatever. So that's my most recurring role. And then I've done BBC Bite Size as well, uh, presented for them. And then like, just like other bits, bits and bobs. So that's where I'm at now. But yeah, kids TV would be the dream for now. And then, yeah, see what happens if I ever get that. <laughs> you know, when you said unboxing toys, yeah. Yeah. Do you actually have a kid there as well to review or do you review it from an adult standpoint? No, so we, well, no, we review it from like an adult standpoint, but kind of like a, like we're ourselves, but obviously we have to be more <laughs> enthusiastic than we would. I don't naturally unbox a toy and like get giddy with excitement, <laughs> which I am more so on the, 
So I'll be like, oh, this is so cool. Have you seen this? Like, oh, look, it comes with this. That's amazing. Isn't that fun? Oh, look, when you when you open this bit, this does this. So we are way more excited. Sometimes, genuinely, when you're playing with toys as a, I'm 23 and I'm opening these toys and they are actually like cool. <laughs> so you're like, it's not that faked. But yeah, I think it's enhanced me. It's enhanced me. <laughs> Like, can I take it home? <laughs> I actually have. I actually have before. I've taken things home. They got a bit funny about it in the end. Not just I was always taking oh. things home. Just they have like rules about keeping products and stuff. The production company. So yeah, I, I have had a few things in the past where I've been like, oh, I want to take that home, and I have. But yeah, not so much anymore. Have you ever been recognised? No, no, we're not at that point. Like, oh my god, that's Izzy from the. Oh, actually, I tell you what, kind of. So basically, I was I was in Torquay in Cornwall. Was that Devon? No, it's Cornwall, isn't it? But we knew there was an entertainer shop and I was with my parents. This was the summer just gone. And we have our, our pictures are in the window. But obviously okay. it says like Izzy. It doesn't say Esme. It says Izzy. It says a picture of me holding this big pink like ball. And it just says like, come and see the entertainer squad on socials or something like that. And I wanted to go and see. I haven't often seen it in person because they changed their displays quite a lot. But over COVID, they had our pictures up. And we went to, go and, went to go and see it. And there was a big queue outside because of COVID. And my parents were like, oh, we want a picture of you with it. And I said, oh, no, there's a big queue. I don't want to be taking a picture in front of myself in a big queue. That's going to bring so much <laughs> attention to myself. And yeah, they were like, oh, go on. It's fine. They won't remember you. It's fine. So I was like, oh, all right then. So I waited. There was a little break in the queue. And I went and quickly ran over, like stood by my picture. And my mum and actually this like really cringy, like cheese, like picture in front of the picture of me. The women around me looked really confused. I had no makeup on like now, like right now. And I, I just looked really haggard and horrible. And I just didn't look like my picture. And one of the women in the queue looked really confused. I was like, oh, sorry, that's, that's me. And I'm just taking a picture. Anyway, so as I started to walk away, all the queue were looking at me. And someone from the entertainer, like the manager, came out. And they all called me over. They're like, excuse me, can you come back a second? She wants to see you or meet you. And I was like, what? And I came over <laughs> and the woman came out. <laughs> the manager came out and she'd seen me in her window, you know, for all this time. And she's like, I'm so pleased to meet you. I see all your videos online. It's really nice to meet you. And I was like, looking literally disgusting. I was like, thanks. Like, it was really weird because she obviously thinks I'm genuinely Izzy, this person. And I was like, hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was like staring at me because they're thinking, who is she? Should I know who that is? Is she famous? And I'm obviously thinking, no, <laughs> I'm just some random girl to these people. But yes, yeah, so that's my only, that's my only experience. Uh, I, I reckon, uh, how long have you been doing it for? about well I guess I started in like 2017 ish so what where are we now 2021 about four years but with gaps from various things yeah maybe when a uh, lockdown lifts might have some kids recognizing you yeah well maybe I mean the, the weirdest we had I used to have is when I worked at Made. we used to because I presented the weather for Made in Bristol Made in Birmingham Made in Leeds and Made in Teesside up in the northeast there were the four channels that I covered and and is that all shot from like the same place? Yeah, so I did it all in Bristol in front of a green screen. I just had to do four separate recordings and then I, they all got sent out. And basically this, I used to get like some really dodgy followers from usually Leeds and Birmingham. They were my two hotspots. <laughs> I don't know why. And um, yeah, I just get really weird tweets sometimes. And some, one guy I had to block because he kept tweeting like really vulgar stuff to my Twitter. Mm. I remember I, I, did, I did a shoot with a famous chef for example, like a well-known chef, not famous. And he replied to the picture, like really rude things about the guy and me. 
I tried to block him and I was like so embarrassed because his chef would have seen this. But yeah, and I've had some people like put pictures of me on Instagram before, but nothing. Yeah, just just being a bit creepy, if anything. Yeah. You mentioned there as well, you said like a few interviewed, a few famous people, a few celebrities, any, any big name drops? Um, nothing too crazy. I've met Jordan and Perry. So Jordan Banjo and Perry Keeley from okay. Diversity. Yeah. Who, have, who do Capital now. So I interviewed them and we had to do like dancing with them. So we did like, we had to do the floss. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This was like in 2018. It was at <clears throat> Slime Fest, which is like a Nickelodeon festival. And Greg Rutherford, who's an Olympian. I've interviewed oh, him. Awesome. Yeah. He does the, I don't know, what does he do? Is it long jump? Is yeah, that really yeah. Bad? He, won the, he won the gold. Ah, here we go. Knowledge. Great Britain in 2012, London 2012. Thank you. I didn't know that. I thought it was long jump, I wasn't sure. Is that it? The main, they're the two main ones. I have, I think other people have been less. Oh, I've met a couple of like kid YouTubers through the entertainer, but you, who actually have got millions of followers, but yeah, I doubt yeah, you'd be in the you. niche that would know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair enough. No, that's cool. How's it all been recently with COVID and lockdown? Has that affected things? Yeah, massively, to be honest. Okay. So I'm in a network of presenters, which Amber's in. That's actually how I know her, where we have a WhatsApp group and like a Facebook, uh, Instagram page and you can see what everyone's up to. And I think it is across the board. I think everyone is quite quiet. I think things have just changed. There's a lot of filming from home. And I, I think for the start, I was really sure that this wouldn't last as long as it did. So I didn't really put in the effort to get like ready for being filming at home. And I would, I don't know, I'd say the main thing is just there's been less on offer. It's, it picks up at random points and then slows down again. I think nothing big seems to be happening. No big TV things as, are happening as much apart from for, like famous people. There's not, there's not as much new, exciting stuff, I'd say. Yeah. But there's different ways of working. A lot, I know a lot of people, including myself, who've ended up with working from home roles. For example, I do this webinar hosting for a company, which I got in the last few weeks. So I just have to host a call with colleges or open days or something like that and ask questions and whatever. And I know a few people have done, got into things like that. So I guess it's just changed the type of work. The main thing I'm grateful for, though, is being, I don't obviously live in London. I live in North Somerset, so near Bristol. And I think the main thing I, I'm grateful for is the fact that now all our auditions and castings are always online. They will never get you in for a casting or an audition because it'd be such a ridiculous thing to do. Whereas before, I'd have to go to London for like an audition. And then, you know, when you audition for things, likelihood is you aren't going to get it because they, they audition loads of people and you might not be right for it. So it, you'd end up spending a lot of money going to and from and, yeah, traveling. So I think that's the main thing I'm, I'm liking now is having to do everything from home. It's just so much more convenient. What happens at presenting audition? Um, I, honestly, in my experience, I've not actually had too many auditions. It's normally apply to a job. If they want you, you might have to, if they, you might have to do a self-tape where you just film yourself with a particular bit of the script they want. And then they say yes or no. I had to do an audition for The Entertainer and for BBC Bite Size. Um, and both of them was, the Entertainer one was quite unique because I had to go into a room with lots of people and in front of the camera, I had to introduce myself as if I'd got the job and then play with toys on camera. And that was literally all the direction I was given. So that was quite oh, intense. Lots of people as well, like looking at you, like yeah. There you. was a, there was probably there was a t there was like a table of I guess they were the people watching. So it's like two from the entertainer marketing department, and then like two or three senior people from the production company, and then a cameraman, and then sort of a production assistant who was like signing us in. So that was quite a big audition, and that was yeah fun. We had, I had to audition with someone else as well. They like tried us out in pairs, and obviously I got that because I I still do that. That was years ago. And BBC Bite Size, I had to, I had a 
piece of script I think I had to deliver in different in different ways I think and I was I thought it was horrible I really struggled but yeah I, I managed to get that one but normally it, it is and I've obviously got I've had a load of auditions which I obviously haven't got I think normally you just go in there's a bit of script maybe on an auto cue or you might have had to remember the script and then you just present it as you would if you got the job and they're just basically seeing you know does her voice sound right you know did she look kind of how we'd imagine she'd look with our script that's really it to be honest yeah i've seen you on your website as well you've had uh some corporate clients yeah how do you find that and like in comparison to kind of the children's stuff i would say the corporate stuff some people really love corporate presenting and i enjoy it don't get me wrong, but it's not like where I want to go with my career as such, but I always will do it because I think with my, I guess my voice, not when I'm, when I'm speaking better than I'm speaking probably now is quite, you know, it's neutral. It's quite easy to, you know, not too, I've not got a really heavy accent that distracts from the thing. So I think I tend to get booked for more corporate stuff generally. It's just a bit more, it doesn't matter who you are. No one cares. You're just a faceless presenter who comes in, reads the script and goes home. And some people really like that. They like the, and I can't even say this word, anonymity. Anonymity. Yeah. And say it about an- Anonymity. Yeah. Um, I find with me personally, it just, I would like to be a bit more recognized for the stuff I'm presenting. So, yeah, I guess that's the only thing, but it, it pays bills and it's, it tends to be better paid corporate because you've got businesses with a load of money behind them. So it's better paid. Yeah. <laughs> Which is always a plus. And um, what is corporate? presenting so it will just be for example it's it's normally businessy or marketing based or so sometimes it will be just for internal for example i've done ee i presented well it was technically bt but they're owned by the same parent but yeah it was bt and i had i did a training course for their employees so when you come so i've done quite a few training courses before so when you get a new job at bt and you they say right you've got to watch this company training video it'll be me presenting the training they have to sit through that's quite a corporate example or like an e-learning course or maybe something that's going to be delivered out to clients to describe the what the company can do. It just, yeah, just like kind of tediously. <laughs> I'm going to get no more corporate work after this. I'm slagging them <laughs> off. Yeah, no, just like really, yeah, serious. I would say the more serious stuff where I'm not, I'm not Esme. I'm just the, the person delivering a script mm. to the employees. Rewinding it back a bit, you mentioned how, like, you kind of in school, you probably considered yourself quite shy. In primary, I think in second, in, in primary school, I was just quite anxious and quiet in that sense. But I would say in secondary school, I was, I, I was more just like, if you'd said to me, get on stage and present something, I would have been like, no, but I'm outwardly confident to other people. So it's a bit of a, a bit 50 50 split. I think it's just when you get older, isn't it? You care a bit less. I think that's genuinely what it was. I think I just cared too much before. And I think I'm quite aware now that when you, like before, if I had stood up in front of the class, I would have been fine in secondary school probably. But in primary, I was definitely a bit more shy and nervous. And I would just say, you just get older and you get over it maybe a bit more. And also, I think when I left school, because I worked in a hospital, I think that was quite a growing up quick job because I did it straight when I left sixth form. So I would have been eight, just 18 because I'm August, baby. So I would have been just 18. I started in September and did that for like six months. And because I was working in a hospital with a load of adults, dealing with patients full time, I think that made me grow up quite quickly and realize that I did not want to do that job. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's fair enough. Yeah. No, I was going to just ask like if anyone's listening and wants to kind of like 
check out your work and stuff like that, where can they, can they find it? My best way is just my website, I guess, or my Instagram. My Instagram is probably the easiest, which is just at Esme Todd, which is very easy. Uh, or my website is myname.co.uk. Um, cause that's where you have like all my show reels and my pictures and <laughs> information. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. And we will leave like links to all that in the in the description. And also check it out. Yeah, as Hamish said, I have made up a little quiz. Kind nice. of like TV, TV presenting quiz. Oh God, I'm going to be rubbish at this, aren't I? <laughs> no, believe me, the whole star wins on this. So we're, we're pretty much taking a ticket now. Well, I'll probably <laughs> take it now. I've, I've made the quiz kind of like, they're ones that I think I could get. Okay. Because I kind of made them up, most of them. Right. But yeah, we'll see how it goes. But I've also done it so it's, if you want... It can be multiple choice. So Ooh. I have got multiple choice answers for each one. But that's up to you guys if you I'm think gonna you see wanna... after maybe we'll see after the first one how difficult this is. Or we can do it. So I asked you the question. If you get it without multiple choice, you get more points. But if I then give you multiple choice, it's less points. Okay. okay. That's that. a good idea. Okay. Okay. So question number one. Yep. Is who holds the Guinness World Record as the longest career as a TV presenter? Oh, God, I have no idea. So if you get it off the bat, I'll give you two points. If you get it through multiple choice, I'll give you one point. I literally have no idea. Cause all the ones who are coming to my head are like dead. I just don't know if it would be someone who's dead or not. Are you saying dead as in they're a shit presenter? Or oh, no, dead, dead as in like <laughs> no longer living on this planet. <laughs> We're not causing any, any trouble here. I'm not, I'm not being rude. Okay. Uh, okay. So... Hamish, what do you go for? I wrote, in 2059, it will be Esme Todd. <laughs> <laughs> I want some funny points at the end of the sentence. And, and, and Esme? I went for Bruce Forsyth because he's he is dead, so I don't know if it counts. Bruce Forsyth was, was a good good guess. He was doing it for a long time. And Hamish is one, I don't... I don't know if that's I quite a good like guess. I get like a point five because it could be true in the future. We don't know yet. <laughs> thing is, I'm not even sure if 2059 would be... That's not long enough, really, is it? Because that's only like 37, 38 years away. So oh, okay. what I'll answer? do now is I'll give you, I'll give you some multiple choice on, options and then we'll okay. go again. So the options are A, Eamon Holmes. Eamon. Eamon, yeah. Eamon Holmes. B, Jeremy Paxman. C, Sir David Attenborough. Or D, Sue Parker. I only know one of these names. <laughs> okay. Hamish, who have you come for? C. Which was Sir David Amber and Esme? I said the same. That is correct. It is Sir David Amber. I didn't even think of him. I was just because I don't think of him as such a traditional presenter. Yeah, such. I wouldn't consider him a presenter. But uh, I suppose he is really, isn't he? Because he presents the show. But yeah. I don't know. I, I think of him as more of like a naturist, not a naturist. That's really not the right thing. That's one who's <laughs> naked, isn't it? Okay, so that's one one point each. Okay, question number two: Fill in the missing gap from this quote. Big Brother House, this is, you are live on Channel 4, please do not swear. Oh, what's the name of that I used to watch thing? Big Brother as well, so. I've never know. watched it. So I'll say again, Big Brother House, this is blank, you are live on Channel 4, please do not swear. Hamish, what do you think, who do you, uh, what do you think it is? I wrote Big Brother. <laughs> so you think it's Big Brother House, this is Big Brother. <laughs> <laughs> Esme, who do you think it is? I don't know, man. Oh, I just put the name Sandra because I've got no clue. You're both wrong. Okay, oh, so some multiple choice options. A, Karen. 
Davina, C, Sean, or D, Felicia? Uh, it's like C, a trend here, Aaron. Okay, Hamish, have you gone for? I've gone for C. C was Sean. And Esme? I went for Davina. No idea. You're correct. It's Davina. Wait, what? It's Davina hey. McCall. Davina McCall was the Wait, host. Of you big t- well, isn't it the Big Brother voice, or are you talking no, about the? No, 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 no. She says that at the end. At the end, when they like turn into like <laughs> the voting or whatever, she goes oh, Big see. Brother. Ha- no, when she speaks to people in the Big Brother house, she'd go Big Brother house. This is Davina. You are live. Please do not swear. Davina McCall. Yeah. I thought you were messing with me. I thought, I thought you put two on to C in a row. So I was gonna. I was trying to make the C puns and everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number three. Before TV presenting, Ant and Deck were more commonly known as PJ and Duncan. What was the name of the TV show they acted in? <laughs> okay, Hamish, what do you what do you think it is? Aaron's lovely mom would know the answer, but I don't know. Cryface. Okay, cool. <laughs> that's uh, that's wrong. <laughs> and Esme, I put Biker Grove. Biker Grove is correct. Hey. Okay, question number four. PJ and Duncan also went into the world of music. What is the name of their fam- most famous Brit Award nominated song? <laughs> I'm guessing Hamish isn't going to know this one. I think I've mentioned um, it before on like maybe our second <laughs> podcast, I think. <laughs> Do you sing it often, Aaron? No, no, no. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Okay, Hamish, <laughs> Hamish what, what's your answer? I wrote, to me, to you, remix, Choco Brothers feet, PJ and Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like that. Ah, that famous song. Um, Esme? Uh, Let's get ready to rumble. It is. Let's get ready to rumble. Oh, wait, that rings a bell. Let's get ready to rumble. Yeah. My options were Mysterious Girl, Saturday Night, Let's Get Ready to Rumble, or Get Me Out of Here. I wish it was Mysterious Girl. That'd be good. Yeah. A little Peter Andre featuring PJ and Duncan. Okay, number five. Hamish, you need need a bit of a comeback. (laughs) Bro, I know, man. I I have to grasp me up the straws here. In what year did Nan Winton become the first female newsreader to read the national news on BBC television? I've never heard Nan Winton in my life. Is there like a plus one plus, like, you know, is there like a boundary, like either side? Like plus no, because I'll give multiple choice after. Oh, okay. If you don't get it. Let's think how sexist the BBC is. And... Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Hamish, what did, you, what did you put? 1990. And Esme? Oh, I put 1989. Yeah, very oh, close, shit. very close. They're both incorrect, though. Oh. <laughs> the options are A, 1960, B, 1966, C, 1972, or D, 1973. Hamish? 1973. Esme? I put 1973. You're both incorrect. It's actually the earliest date I gave. Really? I'm surprised at that. I thought it would be really late. Yeah. Well, there we go. Fun fact, there was a, I forgot the lady's name, but like in 1920, there was the first radio broadcast, I think, from Essex. Oh. Wait, big up Essex, Evil yeah. knowledge. That needs to be a question, didn't it, really? <laughs> I, I really hope it was. How did you know that? Whoa. Because when me and Krishan uh, did a little bit of gambling, there was like, you could, there's this thing called Tramway Path there. The <laughs> raffle ended just before this year. And it's like two pound a ticket here and it goes into a raffle. And at the end of the raffle, you could end up winning the house. So it's like, because there's enough, as long as there's enough entries, Basically, they will actually like, you know, the sell of the house. They'll make their money back for the house. And then you just win it off a raffle and then you'd be good. 
But uh-huh. so yeah, we we jokingly put that in, and they always ask a question like a like you know like those captured questions or whatever. So that this time around it was that, and that's why I just know on the top of my head. I don't think I won because I didn't get an email. Fair enough. This is one bit of knowledge about the broadcast <laughs> industry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Number six. Complete this famous catchphrase from Sir Bruce Forsyth. Nice to see you. <laughs> hey, I'm actually going to be a bit like, I'm going to be in, in shock if you don't know this. Is this the guy that did Price is Right? Okay, I can tell you Esme's got it. So I'll give you the option, Tamish, but you only get one okay. point if you get it. So nice to see you looking so nice. Nice to see you to see you safe. Nice to see you all well and safe. Or nice to see you to see you nice. <laughs> oh no there's a disappointment about to come my way um, I, I went for option C so you went nice to see you all well and safe <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck <laughs> Esme what's, no. what's the answer to see you nice yeah if it's nice to see you to see you nice question number seven Amber Sandu is presenter and previous guest on the third wheel episode 58 Check it out. What is the name of the YouTuber and now also presenter that she named as her inspiration? Oh, God. Hey, Miss, you should know this because you would have been in the chat. Yeah. See, I gave you some points here if you get. Oh, well, I, okay. I'm going to write this. But for some reason, I think it's all this. Amber, if you're listening, I apologize for not knowing off the bat. Okay. Hey, Miss, what are you come for? I wrote Maya Jama. That's a good You know, I thought Maya Jama. I don't think she's done YouTube. No, she is on, she's on YouTube now, but Maya, that's, why, that's why I know it's wrong. I said Joe Tasker. So you're both incorrect. Maya Jama was actually a good guess because she actually did do YouTube before. She used to do Copper 90. Oh. So the options. A, Liza Koshi. B, Chunks. C, Zoella. Or D, Lily Singh. I've only heard of Zoella, but I really don't think Amber would be anything like Zoella, so it's definitely not that one. I'm sure. What are you trying to say? I just think Amber's a bit more like <laughs> Fun. <laughs> I'm just looking for drama. I, yeah, I need, we need a clickbait. <laughs> I can't remember any of the ones you said. I'm going to pick a random one. <laughs> Hamish, what are you going for? I went for D. D, Lily Singh. And Esme? I went for B, but I don't remember. D's it. chunks. And it is Hamish gets a point. So it is D, oh. Lily Singh. Who's Super Lily Singh? Superwoman. Yeah. Come on. I, I, Superwoman or something. She's now got like a talk show in America. There you go. Question number eight. Around 2018, Ainsley Harriet, the world's greatest chef and TV personality, also a personal hero of mine, became a popular <laughs> meme for his quote, hey, hey, boy. Where did this quote originate from? Can I just ask for the option? option, option? So it's the name of a book. I'll tell you that. I've got no idea. I might have to wait for the old multi, multi-choice. Is this Ainsley Harriet you said? Yeah. I was hoping you were going to do the whole why hello you. <laughs> That's literally my favourite thing I've ever seen on the internet. I have no idea. Can I have multiple choice answers, please? You can. Hamish put in an answer, so do you want to... <laughs> it might be right, Hamish. Oh, very nice. <laughs> yeah, it's not that, sorry. <laughs> okay, multiple choice options. A, Ainsley's Barbecue Bible. B, Ainsley's Naughty Notes. C. Ainsley's Spicy Stories. Or D. Ainsley's Rocket Recipes. 
Okay, Hamish, what are you going for? B. D. Ainsley's Rocket Recipes. And Esme? I went for C. Is it the spicy one? Ainsley's Spicy Stories. It's not, ne- it's neither of them. It's A. Ainsley's Barbecue Bible. Ah. Bestseller. Maybe. I don't know. Question number nine. Penultimate question. Piers Morgan recently left ITV's Good Morning Britain with immediate effect following Oprah's interview with Meghan and Harry. Dickhead. Which newspaper was he in charge of during a period it was implicated in the phone hacking scandal? Oh. Uh, nah, no fucking idea. Well, wait, let's try this. Hamish, hey, what for? Daily Mail. Bricks. And Nesme? <laughs> I went for the same. I can't remember if it's that or the sun. It's neither of them. It's not Daily Mail. As in, it's neither oh. of your answers. Oh, I see. Options are A, the sun. Oh, B, the, sun, the Daily Mirror. C, Ooh. the Daily Star. Or D, News of the World. We know it's the one of the last three options. <laughs> Hamish, we going for? C. C, the Daily Star. And Esme? I actually went for, I swapped in for the mirror. It's the Daily Mirror. It was the ah, Daily Mirror. I got the wrong daily. But you did actually work for three out of four of those. Oh, there we go. Okay, last question. Gary Lineker is a former professional football player and currently presenter of BBC's Match of the Day. What did he do in a game against Ireland in the 1990 World Cup? What did he famously do in a game against Ireland in the 1990 World Cup? Hamish? I wrote score a screamer from outside the box. And Esme? (laughs) I put strip. I have no idea. It's neither of those. Options are... Oh, shock. A, kiss a male streaker. B, miss three penalties. C, have a poo on the pitch. Or D, throw up on a teammate. I would really hope it's not shit on a pitch and giving him enough credibility that he's not missing three penalties in a row. Okay, Hamish? I went for D. Okay, Hamish has gone for D, throw up on a teammate. And Esme? I went for the kiss one, but I can't remember what letter it was. A, kiss the male streaker. Yeah, that one. It's neither of those. It was actually C. He, he had a poo on the pitch. What do you mean he had a poo? Did it like... No. Did, did he, he, did. Like, he did sat he, like, down and, sh- and he had the poo and then he moved. It's on YouTube. What do you mean? Like, did he argue with someone to take the piss? Like, I don't understand. Why did he do he it? He just shat himself on the pitch because he needed to go for a shit. So he didn't like intentionally like <laughs> sit down. Like he was already coming out. Basically. Okay. He didn't want to come I'm off the pitch. I don't know this. If you're into that kind of stuff, you can go watch it on YouTube. No, it's no, a, thanks. It's a highly viewed It's clip. a good Saturday evening right now. I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's, let's check the scores on doors. Winning by seven marks, seven points, with a score of nine to two is Esme. Hey. <laughs> That's right. You could have lost that one. Well, I know. I made it but, quite um, tough, though. So, it was quite. I did guess on quite a lot of them, yeah. to be quite honest. <laughs> Yeah, that's no ju- no judgment on your presenting ability, I'm sure. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. I, I do. <laughs> traveling from one topic to another, I guess. Well, you've had experience traveling to Australia and India, that's written here. Well, that was where I went last year. And the idea was to go traveling from like January 2020 all the way through to like August or something. And then COVID happened. So it got cut short. But yeah, I went to uh, India for a couple of weeks and then Australia for, I guess, like, I think it was about three, three and a bit months maybe did you prefer any over the other or i think um i liked that india is like so cheap to do stuff like you can really do a lot of stuff on barely any money even like trains like getting around we went we went to quite a few different places and it 
It was so cheap. And Australia was just a bit better weather because at the time of year we were there. In, in, we were in India in January. So it was like warmer than England, but it was not great weather. So yeah, I think Australia wins on that one, really. But they're both nice. Yeah, I was going to say, I know that in India they have like five rupee crisp, which is basically like 5p. Yeah, they had everything was so cheap. Like if you got street food or something, it'd be like a hundred rupees, which is like a pound. Right, street um, food is like not trustworthy. Like it's unless it's a super cleanly paste, you can see it being made in front of you. Yeah, well, we we did eat it most of the time. To be quite honest, I think just because the one thing we were always told is to not try and avoid like, fr- like vegetables, like fresh uncooked vegetables, like salad, basically, because they just wash their like veg in their own water, but we we weren't allowed to drink the water just because our bodies wouldn't be used to it because obviously they been always drinking it so your body adapts to it but so yeah that was the only thing we, it was fine though we didn't get ill because a lot of people say about like deli belly have you heard of that no but i can imagine because when yeah. I've been, when i've been a couple of times um to india like i know that it doesn't end well in the stomach because our <laughs> so like they have a set time or day at least where i where my parents live essentially where you can you get water from this separate tap that's connected to your property or whatever and that's yeah. the clean water that you can drink that's separate from your shower water and everything. And you have like one time of day you have to fill it up. Otherwise, you're not going to have cooking water or anything. Oh, yeah. It's so different, isn't it? Yeah. We were actually quite good. We didn't get ill. It's weird, though, because obviously the cities are so... They're just crazy because you've got like the the rich poor divides, like really intense, more so than anywhere I've seen. So you see people living in like extreme poverty, but then you've got like really expensive flats. That's the thing I find a bit random. It's more so than any other country I've seen. Did you see how they sell stuff in the market? We did go to market. I think we found them, well, I found them a bit overwhelming, to be quite honest with you, just because they're like, the ones we went to were, um, I think it's just a bit intense when you are so obviously a foreigner, because they do latch onto you. And it it can be a bit like overwhelming when you've got people grabbing at you and like kids following you and stuff like that, which we had to happen quite a lot. Whereabouts did you go? So we, we flew into... Delhi and then we went from Delhi to Jaipur across to Jaisalmer really in the in the west I think it's like one of the, like the most westerly big towns before you hit Pakistan and then you we went we came back on ourselves to a place called Pushka and then we went to oh and Jodhpur went to Jodhpur as well but I can't remember which I get confused in the order now it's like a year over a year ago uh, Jodhpur Agra and then back to Delhi at the end. It was sort of, in the, you know, the whole golden triangle where you go from Delhi to Jaipur to Agra to Delhi. They're the three places a lot of people visit. It was those three, but then off to the West as well. But yeah, really nice places. Really interesting, actually. They were all quite different from each other. I would say Delhi was actually my least favourite, not to be controversial, of all the places, just because it was quite city-ish and the other places were felt a lot more cultural and interesting. Obviously, obviously Delhi is cu- cultural and interesting, but in, the other places were a bit more like intimate and like we went to quite a lot of little towns yeah, like Pushka and Jodhpur. I suppose Jodhpur, I think Jodhpur is a city, but they're all, they're smaller and a bit more unique, I suppose. Yeah. You mentioned there as well how you touched on it briefly and you put in the notes as well, like your experience of being like a white person in India. <laughs> yes. How is that similar to just what you said? Like kind of. It was jarred, but it was intense. Like so I think because, well, we got told by people who were Indian there that a lot of, it's not the case for all Indians, obviously, but some Indians who don't see white people as often 
Because honestly, when we were there, you really do stand out. You look around huge crowded cities and you genuinely don't necessarily see another white person. It's like the most, the only place I've ever experienced that. And we would go to like, I don't know, like a fort or on the metro in Delhi or, you know, a restaurant. And we'd have people ask us for photos all the time. Because I think it's seen as like a good luck thing to get a photo with someone who's looks like us. I don't know. It's, it's just a really weird thing. But they, the, the, the assumptions that they always made were that we were really rich because we were white, which is a really sad thing because that's what they assume. But obviously we weren't that. Yeah, that we would be like good luck in the photos. Uh, I had one guy. Oh, God, we were in a restaurant and me and my boyfriend were sat down having dinner and the manager of the restaurant came out and was like to Henry, my boyfriend, can I have a picture with her? And he was like laughing. I was like, yeah. So I was like, yeah, you can, we can have a picture. Because I was so used to it by this point, because this was right at the end of the trip. And we had a picture stood in this restaurant. And honestly, they treat you like a celebrity. And Henry had this like travel guitar that he'd built to take traveling with him. <clears throat> and he had it on him. And the guy was like, oh, can I borrow it? And he borrowed it as a prop. <laughs> so in the photo, he's there like pretending to strum this travel guitar. I'm <laughs> smiling really awkwardly. And then he went, no, no, no. Can you just look at me a second? So he made me look like, oh, it makes me cringe to think about it. He made me look into his eyes like we were facing each other while he played his guitar, <laughs> like staring into each other's eyes. And then he, anyway, so he took the picture and I was like, oh my God, what the hell just happened? And then he left and he came back and he made it his phone lock screen, me and him looking into each other's eyes with his guitar. Oh, okay. Literally, I, it was, yeah, there was a lot of things like that. And <laughs> it was, it was an odd experience to say the least. I think the other plate we just had, we got, I got swarmed. It was mainly me as well. I think seeing a white female was even more of a thing. So they'd literally be like, can I take a picture? And in the end, I had to be like, when it was a big group, I'd have to say genuinely be like, no, sorry, because otherwise they would follow you. And the best, the best story we had was when we were in Delhi, we got on the metro and in, in Delhi, at least, I don't know for other cities in India, they have like all, they have female only carriages. It's just like a, like a respect thing for women. So you don't have to be like by men on the tube. And we didn't realize this. And it was in, the writing that said it was in Hindi. So we got on not knowing and all, I was like, there's a lot of women on this carriage and they were all staring at us, at me and my boyfriend. And then they were like, someone, she started shouting at him, like, get off. You're not supposed to be on this carriage. You're a man, get off, get off. And we were like panicking. We were like, we had to wait to the next stop, obviously, because we were moving. And we got off, got onto the next carriage and there was, this one was all men. And they were like, come and sit down, come sit down to me. And I was like, what? No, it's fine. I'll just stand. It was like only a few stops. They were like, sit down, sit down. They were really adamant. So I was like, okay, I'll sit down. And Henry came and sat with me. They cleared the whole bench of this metro uh, tube thing so that me and him could sit down on the bench because they wanted us to sit. Everyone on this carriage was staring at us. And then they were all like asking us questions. Where are you from? Um, you know, why are you here? What have you seen? And then one of them made a comment was like talking to me about, he was really lovely actually. He was talking to me about what things to do in Delhi. And he went, oh, you can see this. I think he said about a palace you could go and see. And he was like, oh, when when the white, when you white British used to, like, when we were a Connolly, Connolly? Colony, he was like, you can go and see that palace. And he's like, uh, it's a bit of a thing, actually, because obviously we celebrate now, you know, the freedom from you guys. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, so, sorry about that. <laughs> and he was like, no, it's okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about my ancestors, can't help that. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to take it too much on it, Dina. I think the courage thing is also, apart from the respect thing, is also because of the groping and the other yeah, like, sexual it is, it is bad. Though. It is bad. I mean, they had these like seats that, the reason I thought it was a respect thing for the, this reason is because they had seats that would be women only seats. So 
you know how we have like seats for like pregnant disabled, people or disabled yeah. people yeah they had like women's seats so you could go and sit down and that's why they were so adamant that I went and sat down because they didn't like the fact that I was stood and um oh yeah it was just India that was that was the weird thing I've, I've never felt so famous in my life having all these pictures taken of me do you know if that's a recent thing the carriage I don't know actually I don't think so it didn't look like it looked like a thing that I don't know I know that they have a lot of problem in Delhi of those assaults and stuff yeah because I watched there's a series on Netflix. I literally watched this two weeks ago. It's called Delhi Crime. And it's, it's like based on a true story about, I want to find what year it was. 2012, there was a gang rape in Delhi and a couple actually went on a bus in Delhi. I think I've heard of this. That and well. she ended up getting like raped and beaten really bad by like a bunch of like five guys or something. Yeah really big the whole like investigation and so i was just wondering if it maybe like it was something after that it was introduced or something it, it definitely i mean there is a vibe i think it was just the different areas you'd go to there was def there was definitely a vibe where i don't think i'd feel safe on my own i think in i think that was the thing i like traveling with a male because it makes you feel a little bit more safe yeah like i think even the general rule is either you go in a so even like where my parents are from, you either grew in as a group of ladies. So basically always in a group or you're accompanied by a male. Yeah. Because people are always like, even though basically everyone knows each other on the island or like, you know, nearly everyone. It's like still can stuff, stuff can happen at night or something. Like even like me, yeah, even when the last time I went there, when I was in person, like I was like 19, they're like, no, you cannot leave unless one of us is accompanying. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean, man? I was like, I want to go outside. Like, but to be honest, there were issues with snakes and stuff, like literal, like the animal snakes. <laughs> um, so we, like, and since obviously we, we wouldn't know how to deal with them or escape safely. Yeah. We were like always told, you only leave. And if you manage to see one on the property, then you let us know right away and you distance yourself from it. And, wow. one, of the and one of the locals will come and essentially trap it into a pan and throw it further away if they can't keep it alive. <laughs> Try and, it in a pan and throw it away. Yeah, and I was like, look, yeah, I don't want to have this experience with snake because it's a reoccurring nightmare for me. So I, don't, I, don't, I did not need this experience. Yeah. Just please take me back to the UK. Wait, so have you actually had an experience with snakes? No. Other than but, like um, people? No, nah, I've had the recurring nightmares, but that's why I also don't want to be anywhere near one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Other than people. <laughs> Are you dick? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just like really sad. And like from watching that, series as well i just got the impression like and there's a few other like films i've watched like set in india like i think particularly Delhi, like it's so easy for someone to like just kind of like disappear there and no one will know yeah it is it's it's definitely a different a different vibe over there although saying that as we were talking about earlier on it's been it's still scary for women in this country too. Yeah. So at the day of recording, 13th March, on the 11th, it was actually confirmed, I believe, that Sarah Everard, I think that's it, how, how you say her name? Yeah, Sarah Everard, I think. Yeah, it was confirmed that her body was found, or like parts of her body were found. Yeah. In, was it like a forest kind of near, somewhere between Kent and Papen? I think so, yeah, yeah. She got basically kidnapped and was missing for a while. It was unexpected behaviour. One of the police officers is was under arrest and another lady was currently, I think she's on bail or something, for assisting. And I haven't actually checked the news today on it, but um, that was the last I checked, which was yesterday. But I'll check as we speak. I know they've announced his name now. I think it just highlights, I mean, 
I think a lot of men seem more surprised by this than a lot of women. I think because as a woman, you just you just are used to this. Not that this happens all the time, obviously, but it's always something you're taught to think about. Like I'm, my parents always would be like, "You can't go out on your own at dark, in the dark." It's just that you know, once once it's dark, or even like getting dark, I feel like most women will know not to leave the house alone. And I don't know, would you guys say that you have that feeling as well, generally, or do you feel more safe to go? For, like, if you want to pop the shops in the night, yeah, would you do it, or would you be like cautious for other crime? I think I would still be cautious, but I definitely don't feel like I would be as cautious yeah as maybe like my sisters would be yeah i think that's the thing realistically um nobody i don't think because there's been a whole movement about this hasn't there i don't think any woman is claiming that men aren't at risk of anything themselves because you can still get mugged and attacked as a man i think it's more just the i think as a woman i think women know that we are on average it's much more difficult to defend yourself so i think and just the whole threat of sexual assault is just so much more prevalent, especially like nights out and even just walking down the street. And I've like walked down the street in like broad daylight and like vans have pulled over and made comments or, you know, put the window down and they shout something out or across a building site, they'll shout something out. And I think that's the thing that's, I think a lot of people think that's a, a compliment. I don't know a single female who takes that as a compliment. It's a bit threatening because if you then turn around and say anything like, oh, leave me alone or, you know, stop, you get shouted at, you get abuse. It's like they don't like that you've not given into what they're saying. And it's, yeah, it's quite frightening, I would say. So that's the thing I think is the big thing that needs to change. I don't know if it will. I definitely agree with that because like in the local area, it's like generally dangerous. Like I know that if you're like, so the night shift workers, including previously my mom, they'll be walking down this canal that's pretty like unlit so she would obviously carry a torch and she'd try to always come with a group if not she'd call my dad to come pick her up mm-hmm. and this was like at 2 a.m ish and people yeah. would still like literally mug them at this canal like this is i'm talking like even at the past month or two this still happens here mm-hmm. they'll, they'll even beat them down ladies by the way they'll beat ladies down rob them carry and then run away and never get caught and this is like a reoccurring thing but like for females it's definitely way more dangerous and like at uni i, th- I thought yeah at uni so this is where at uni I thought like, oh wow, everyone's like like less scared of being out at night yeah. Like even like generally women, which is a good thing. But then also there were obviously some that were still scared and would like, you know, be not scared to walk on that alone. But then some were like fearless, which is fair enough due to life experiences and so on. And ideally the world should be like that. But I was always just like, because when I first like I think one of the first people was like Leon or like someone that met, so I was like, yeah, don't worry, I'll just walk you home. And then I'll, ca- I'll carry on back on because I didn't know how safe uni was till like a few, literally a few months in or whatever. But everyone else, they were like, oh, it's basically just, just to walk home, like nothing can happen. I didn't understand this concept. And then I was like, oh. Yeah, I suppose it depends where you are. Like I wouldn't, I live in a village and I wouldn't feel scared to walk out in the dark now. But I mean, most cities, I don't think I would. I just wouldn't chance it. That's, that's the main thing. It's like, realistically yeah you could walk across the city and you probably would be fine most times but do you want to i think women have to weigh up do you want to risk the time that you aren't fine that's the thing and um yeah i I mean i know people have been what's her name davina mccall who actually got mentioned yeah yeah. she did a tweet about this and it's not gone down very well she basically well some people like it but 
she's basically said she feels sorry for men because she thinks that they're all getting blamed. And I think she's just completely missed the point. It's no one saying that all men are bad. I don't think all men are a threat, obviously. That goes without saying, but it doesn't mean that you... When you're out in, in the dark and you're a woman, you're walking on your own and you see a man coming along in dark clothing, say, you, it could be one of you guys. You'd still look threatening because yeah. you're a man and it's dark. That's all it needs to be. And I think that's what people don't seem to understand. You might know in your head that you are completely safe and you're not going to do anything, obviously. But I don't know that if I, don't, if I didn't know you and I didn't see you. You know what I mean? I would think, who is this man near, walking near me? Yeah, I've actually felt that before where I've, it's dark and I'm like got off the train and I'm walking back home or something. And I'm walking behind yeah. someone, a woman, and I'm like, like I'm not, I'm not, I haven't got, I'm not like a threatening person or anything, but I, I'm yeah, in my yeah. head. I'm like, <laughs> does she think I'm following her? Like I'm not following her. Like does yeah. she think that? And like I'll like either like overtake her because I just don't want to like feel that, or I'll like cross the road or something. Yeah, I think that's always a good thing. Or like they say, sometimes it just be, it can even just be like you making a making a phone call, calling a mate, and just chatting and being, you know, they can hear that you're just on the phone, you're not interested, or crossing the road, or. The worst thing is when you're walking along and you're, you know, there's someone behind you and they're like kind of just tailing you. That is a really freaky feeling. I always just ring someone if I'm in that situation because it's not nice. And yeah, again, like it will normally turn out to be fine, but it's just not worth the ag and the worry. Yeah, I, I know like, so usually like, I guess some of my like fashion sense style because of my local area is always bad. So even right now, like I'd say at night when I'm on my night, night walks, I am like always dressed in all black with my hood up. So but usually I always try to maintain the distance anyway. So when I saw the extra points, I was like, okay, I do these for you. But maybe, because the issue is, I think I'm like quite silent in terms of like me walking out. Even though I have music blasting my ears, I couldn't care less about who's there. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll try to be louder. But then I don't know if that's also intimidating because that's the only one question I had. I was like, if I be louder, say I'm walking like this, I'm pacing back and forth down a strip of road. <laughs> if I'm being louder. What do you mean by being loud? So like, Basically, it says you to try like make your footsteps known or make your kind of known like that you're approaching or just overtaking or something. I suppose that comes in the category of like you're if you were really stalking behind and being really quiet, I might think he's trying to not be noticed. Whereas if you're just like confidently walking along, you know, I guess that's that's probably where they're coming from. It's just a bit less threatening. Threatening, but I think for me, it's just hanging back, just hang back a little bit or cross the road or I don't know. Yeah, it's not something I don't put myself in the situation enough to have thoughts on it massively. I just don't walk outside at night, which is a sad thing. It would be nice just to, I saw this horrible thing. It was, um, it was a, a sort of survey for women and it was, what would you do if men didn't exist for a day? And it was like, oh, I'd go for a walk at night to the park or I'd walk down to the beach at night. I'd go for a walk at night. I'd wear this outfit I don't ever wear. I'd, you know, it was so sad to think that there's, it's just in your mind. And I just, just what we were kind of conditioned to feel, you've got to be scared of like 50% of the population almost. Yeah. I was also like, what was the thing? Do you know the, the pricks who started that not all men hashtag? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. That, does my head that, in. that had, that had me fuming when I read it, when I read it, I think was it the other night? I don't know. A few nights ago, there was that hashtag. I was like, I saw someone tweet. It's like all lives matter. It's kind of like the same. Yeah. Similar yeah it's like, it's argument. such a, it's such a stupid argument. Like, That's the energy I got from Davina McCall doing her, what about men? You know, think of our sons that you're, you're causing problems for. That's what I got the, the energy of that. It's like, no, yeah, I, I understand she's saying not all men are rapists and killers, but no, no yeah. one's saying that. It's like, that's... The They're obvious. targeting just the, the bad, the loud bad ones or the ones that are causing the issues, not exactly all of us. I think there's this whole 
movement has been quite good to raise awareness. I've seen so many guys put on their Instagram stories things like, I've never considered this being a problem. I've never realized that you feel this way. I'm going to start changing my behavior. And hopefully, I mean, it'd be just nice if things like catcalling would stop and whistling at women when you drive past and making unwanted comments. Or I think all my friends have been like groped in a club before. I just don't know why men think they can do that. It's just a really, it's beyond me that you think, although saying that me and my boyfriend have a conversation about this, he has had the same unwanted sort of grabbing from girls at uni, like would grab his bum on a night out and he'd be like, can you not? You know, it just, I feel like that goes both ways. Just no one should be grabbing (laughs) each other. You don't want to, don't grab people. That's the moral of the story. Don't grab people you don't want to be grabbed. Um, There was a video actually Z put on a story. So our friend called Z and it was basically a video like, how can we take away their right to like walk at night. Basically, it was really well put together and I'm not going to mm-hmm. try quote it because I'm going to butcher <laughs> it. Um, but go check that video. I will try and leave it in the description. Also, there was something about it I saw in a story somewhere, not an Insta story. It was like a, it may have been like Facebook or something. It was just basically like the text. It was like a text saying, text me when you get home safe. Yeah, like, yeah you don't, that. yeah. I was like, yeah, that's like right now, that's like a big thing as well because I'm pretty sure we all do that after night, nights out to like everyone in like our friends group, where we met up with late at night. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, maybe that shouldn't be a thing in the first place. But it'd be nice in a, I mean, in an ideal world, yeah. you could just walk home, not have to worry about it. But at the same time, you're never going to. The thing is, a lot of these messages need to be going to like the psychopaths who do this. Like, yeah. it's not going to be the average person sharing this on Instagram is probably not the offender. I think it's more, you, you're always going to have like nutters in the world who commit crimes like this. That's the thing. But it would be nice if other things could l- lower down as much as possible. But yeah, it's a, it's, it's a sad world. Yeah, to add on, one thing I definitely agree with is that the people saying, oh, you should educate your daughters, or like, shut up, like, um, you should educate the, I guess, the guys, because, like, I like to think me and Aaron, like, aren't dangerous, or like, we wouldn't do anything in that scenario ever. Mm. So, like, why can't anyone else just be somewhat have the guidance in their life not to be, I don't know what kind of bad word to use to describe them. Well. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It shouldn't be tell your daughter to be safe it should be tell your son yeah. to not assault women yeah we spoke about stuff like this previous episodes as hamish mentioned i don't know if you mentioned it on the episode of before we started recording olivia who's a previous guest of ours not too long ago but yeah she, she's like a co-founder of a platform visible where it allows women to like report sexual harassment on the tube and yeah i think this is like yeah time for yeah everyone and particularly men to kind of check check what we're doing kind of thing yeah and i think that maybe there will be some change yeah always tough to transition to like something else after yeah we, aaron uh, <laughs> i was like i have a transition but it's not gonna go well <laughs> okay this is not to trigger anyone but skydiving from the skies to from one topic to the other hoping to jump back out of it so one of the topics is skydiving essentially let's just not carry on with that transition as well um, <laughs> Yeah, so have you been skydiving? I, yeah, I went for a skydive when I was in Australia and it was one of the worst things I've ever done in my life. And everyone always goes on about their skydive. They love it. And they're like, oh, it's the best thing I've ever done. I love it. Yeah, you should do it. Oh, it's exhilarating. They're lying. It's horrible. Don't do it. (laughs) I'm glad you said that because I'm shit scared of heights. And whenever I see someone do that, I'm like, I just feel like I'd pass out and miss all of it or something. Like, yeah, yeah, or I just get to the bottom and feel sick, you, and I'm like, that well, that wasn't enjoyable. Well, that's the thing. I I get quite bad motion sickness. <laughs> I didn't realize how much I that would be a problem for me doing the skydive. So I'll run you through the brief of how it goes. You you do a little, 
you watch like some videos at the start and you have you meet the other people who are in your in your plane there's i think there's eight of us so each person has their own guy strapped to them and um you get in the plane and, and rather than like traditional seats in this like little tiny plane it's two benches that run the length of the plane so if you imagine you sit on it and then you're all, you get strapped in to your Bloki, like before you get in the plane, I no oh, no. I mean, wait, as you get into the plane, Bloki. Do you mean parachute or like a guy? The bloke. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just call him, <laughs> using a weird word for the word the man. Um, the bloke behind you. <laughs> you get strapped to him, and so you sit on the. I'm just, I'm trying to describe this with audio. You sit on the bench, like one in front of the other. So you're all kind of like spooning the person in front. Does that make sense? There was so there would have been there's like sixteen of us if you think eight students and eight masters, and um, you sit on the benches and you you basically are sat with being the guy who you're strapped to is sat with his legs around you. I'm really <laughs> demonstrating this. I know I know you can't stay, you can't see the camera, but anyway, so they're sat behind you and then they pull you in tight, like they strap the things really tight. So you are literally like they're giving you a hug from behind. It's really intimate because you don't know this man at all. I say man, I'm sure there's some female um, instructors and they have a GoPro on their wrist and they film the experience. And then basically the door, we got to a certain height, I think it was like 15,000 feet and they, the door opened and the pressure as the door opened, because it's a really tiny plane, goes like, and then like all, you can hear the air going in and out. And I think I was the penultimate pair to jump out. So we went seventh and the first person who jumped out the scream <laughs> i can still hear it they like they go head first i don't know why i don't know if it's like a thing you've got to do but you basically forward roll out of the plane and i just heard like ah and then it like stopped straight away because they fall so quick oh i'd be like oh is that is that person just died like that- died yeah and and i think the thing is because they went like ah and then it like they were falling and then someone else on the plane screamed because they obviously had it dawned on them what they were about to do so someone on the plane screamed and that obviously set the the vibes negatively anyways I had to watch all these people jump and it was like zoom, as they went out like this like noise of them falling anyway it got to my go and you do not have time to think about it it's very much they sit you on the edge your legs are hanging off the edge of the plane and then the guy behind you he just kind of goes ready right okay go three and then he just pushes you off and you go head first rolling in the art in the air so you, for the first bit, before you get into the sort of classic yeah. skydive with your arms and legs out, you are just literally tumbling. And honestly, I felt so sick from that. So from the get-go, I had really bad sickness. So as I was falling down, he went, open your arms up. So I opened my arms up and I was trying to be all smiley because he's got a GoPro in your yeah. face <laughs> trying to document the experience. And I felt so sick. And then eventually, it, it's not a very long fall before they do the parachutes. And then... I did it at a place called Mission Beach in Australia where you land on the beach. And so we were kind of like going over the sea and he was like doing the thing where you, you pull the cords of the parachute. So you're spinning around, like doing figures of eight. And he was like, do you want to go? And I was like, actually, I'd really rather if you stop doing that, please. It's making me feel so much worse. And I was like, is it normal people getting sick? And he was like, yeah, the, a lot of people do get quite sick. Do you feel sick? And I went, yes, please. Uh, yes. And then he said, how do you want to get down quickly? And I went, yes, please. You were able to have this conversation like midair. Yeah, because when you're once you're in the parachute, you can just his his head was right behind okay, you, so you can just okay. hear it. It's like no, you're not falling yeah. quick enough for it to be loud. So he was like, I said, how long does it to get to get take to get down? And he went, Well, we can do it quickly, or we can do it like longer if you want. I went 
quick as possible, please. So anyway, we, we came down and he was like pointing up the sea and was being like, oh, we often see, you know, great white sharks as we fly over. And I was thinking, oh my God, we're going to land in the sea. Why would you tell us about that? <laughs> I know, it's awful. So then, yeah, it just took ages to come down. And I eventually, like, the sickness passed a little bit and I did a, had a go at pulling the parachute and I hated that, it made me feel worse. And then, yeah, it was quite a thud landing, tripped over each other. And everyone else was like, oh, that was so good. Oh, I loved it. Because you had to wait at the end to like get your photos and things transferred. And everyone was like, yeah, was, that was so good. Loved that. And I was there like still shaking, still t- contemplating throwing up. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm glad I did it to an extent. But... Did you at least get a good GoPro photo for the gram? Well, we got a video. And also, it's a right rip off. They charge you like... An extra, I think it was like £70 to get the pictures and video. So it was like, I can't remember. I think the actual skydive was, let's say it's around, I don't know, maybe like 200 or maybe like £150. And you've got to pay £70 for your pictures and videos. You've got to pay like 30 quid for insurance because if you don't pay that, you just have no insurance. So if you die, <laughs> unlucky. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, it was a very expensive thing to do, but I am glad I did it. So I think I mentioned before, I saw on this like BBC thing, they were showing that these lot were like kind of like gliding with the hawks or whatever. That's mm-hmm. one thing I want to do. But when I feel safe enough in life that if I die, it's calm. But that's going to be a very long time from now. <laughs> because I, I just feel like the one time that like, you know, like, you know, that mentality was the one time that we do it. That's when it's going to go wrong. Like, I feel like that's just stuck there. And I don't like heights as well. So the motion sickness thing is off-putting thing already. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I could. I don't know how I'll be able to do that. And I always thought that it could be any combination of two people, but I guess it's good that as an instructor stuck to you. When yeah, I mean, they wouldn't put you down your own, would they? Well, you thought me you... and you could just go down together. No, I thought people can jump down by themselves as well. I was like, I oh. think you've got to have loads of training before you're allowed to do it on your own. Otherwise, you'd... <laughs> that happened in Jurassic Park and he ended up not good. I wouldn't <laughs> recommend. I think, I think it's a good experience. My other thing I would say is obviously doing it in Australia on a nice sunny day, landing on the beach in front of like the blue sea was a lot better than doing it in like some field in i don't know the you know yeah, up yeah. in the north somewhere i'd rather do it i mean i'm not yeah if you get becca's coffee chooses if you want to do a skydive do it but yeah i don't think the views would be quite as nice doing it in somewhere in england so would you ever go skydiving hamish currently i wouldn't but you know i'm not fully against it but i don't know if i think lockdown would have made my motion sickness a lot worse so i don't know because i haven't i haven't been in a vehicle i haven't been anywhere like i don't know how i'm gonna first of all i hate planes already like i'm i think planes are the most the worst it is for me so i don't want to be in a plane in the first place so if i have to be in a plane to jump out this is a bit of an issue i think it'll be easier for me to jump off a building it's a particularly bad plane as well because they're so tiny is it the shaky ones they yeah it was a bit it was a bit just like yeah currently you know, spinning that. like i would say as well though the good thing is when you're strapped to someone they do just shove you out so you don't really have time to, to say no or think about it you've not really got a choice it's like you're in the air now you, you're getting off the thing is yeah i think it in that situation yeah like i would be willing to you know i'd be like fuck it and just jump here but the issue is yeah if i was doing it by myself which i thought it had to be like for a long time then I would I would have like forgot the parachute or forgot what the instruction on how to set the parachute off correctly and I'd be like, oh no, I'm flying with there with no no way of like, how to get down safely. But then yeah. Wait, did you have like a trampoline you land on or do you actually have to run into the grass? A trampoline? Do you know what I mean? Like do you do you know those things like the big cushions? Like did they have a big cushion or do you oh, actually Oh no, you you just land on the sand. Oh, okay. 
So they, 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 you keep, I had to keep my legs up and then he kind of does this thing where he like runs along with the ground until we stop. But even in like ones in England that aren't on the beach, Hamish, you'd still like land in like just a field, okay, like a random place or something. Okay. And I was always curious, like if the TV ones were fake and like there was actually like a, you know, cushion. <laughs> a big mattress. <laughs> yeah. Like, just See, I would only ever do a skydive if either I was on, I'm a celeb to get me out of here at one point in my career and the whole nation was watching me. And I was like, okay, I've got to, I've got to do this. Or a girl I was interested in was like, do you want to go skydiving? I'd be like, oh, <laughs> great, I've got to go skydiving now. That's the one, yeah, the two, the two things. That one doesn't surprise me, to be honest. I was going to say, Aaron, what if the third wheel got sponsored and we had to do it as part of some promo or something? No, we had to do a skydive. Sponsorship, honestly. And like, it was good peas, Aaron. No, I'm, I'll be like, fam, are you mad? <laughs> that could get oh, me out of ends. You best fucking take the deal. Out of the end. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Okay, that, that's in the debatable column. Say, that, say yeah, like a, I don't know what an example figure would be for one. They were like, oh, 100 bags, jump off this plane, promote this product midair. Yeah, like, you know, like whatever. And like also your... be thinking, like, what's, what's 100 bags if I die? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, first of all, you're not getting the full 100 bags because we're getting taxed and we have to split it exactly, two ways. So it's even worse. <laughs> I'm thinking like 100 bags, like, just for you. <laughs> but no, we, if that ever happens, we can we can discuss it. I won't close it off completely. I mean, if, if I have to do it solo, I'm saying I'm taking the full promo. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so overall, it's not as good. You found it not as good as what people make out, but you don't regret it. I, I'm. It, it was good. I'm. I'm probably being mean. I, I enjoyed it, but it's intense and made me feel quite sick. And I don't think I enjoyed it as much as I could have done if I hadn't have felt so sick. I did have one moment in the sky as well. You know, and you were a bit like the parachute could not open. Do you know what I mean? Uh, okay. It could just. Do you not have two parachutes as well? Is this oh, yeah. like I think there is a second one, but the, oh, okay. the second one's quite, I think it's like, if, if a first one fails, I might be wrong, but if the first one fails, I think it's quite a mission to do the second one because you've got to like cut something off and then, you know, it's like, it's not just as simple as going button two. These, these people that are like the skydiving instructors, do they just like go up into the sky all day? Like come down, go back, I, you, I actually down. asked this question. I asked this question. So when they're working on the ship, on like on ship, he said he could go up like 10, 15 skydives a day. Oh, mate. Does he like get a rush out of it or something? Like, cause... Well, yeah, I guess so. Okay. They just really enjoy it. Healthy? And they're so... Like, well, I don't know. Maybe yeah, your organs yeah. like fly... Maybe your body gets used to the pressure changes or whatever. Like <laughs> constantly doing it. I just think that you probably... It's one of those things where, you know, you don't actually hear of that many in, like problems no. with skydiving, do you? It's not... Bearing in mind how many travellers... When I was in Australia, for example, everyone you met would be like, "You book your skydive? Where are you going to do it?" It's like a bit of a rite of passage. If you're doing the Austra- if you're traveling Australia, you do a skydive. It seems to be a bit of a thing. So I would say that a lot the amount that can go on, there's not that much of an injury risk. I don't think. I don't know what the stat is of deaths per a skydive, but so I'm sure they're quite safe. Would you feel safe doing a bungee jump or a skydive? I would hate to do a bungee jump. I think a bungee jump is worse. But I've done like a a low-key bungee jump, like in Lakeside Shopping Centre when I was younger. <laughs> what do you mean a low-key, like one floor or like we we saying here? I think it was a bungee jump. What's, what's a bungee jump? Let me just Google that. What it looks like. When you like jump off and you've got something attached to your legs and you, oh, you bounce no, it was, it was one of those things where like you're kind of on a trampoline and you're in like something that gives you like a wedgie and it like flings you oh, up and down. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, and yeah, it goes up yeah, and down. Yeah. I suppose it's a similar feeling, but bungees when you go head okay. first. Oh, so it's like that kids thing that they use, but a bigger version. Is that what it is? Hamish just massively patronised <laughs> yeah, you there. Yeah, yeah. What's that like kids thing that little babies do? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't like that at the time. 
and I felt like I was peer pressured into it by my dad. So I don't know if that will happen. <laughs> no, the bungee jump I feel is worse because I feel like, you know, that string that they connect to your waist or your foot or whatever. Like, I feel like that would slap me on half or like without a tear a limb off. I'm like, nah, I can't do that. I'd rather find a way to jump, get into a plane, get to that height, jump off the plane than have, because at least that way I just land flat on my face, you know, like if, if it goes wrong and the bungee jump here will, will tear me into pieces right then and there. That, that's my logic, but that could all just be made up and in my head, you know, so. Probably. But cool. Yeah. We're coming up to the end of the episode. And yeah, what we do is we end it on, we end it in like a similar format with everyone. So we have some final questions, a call out and a shout out. So final questions. First one is what is next for you? Well, I suppose we touched on this a bit before, I guess my, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. The goal was sort of getting into broadcast TV again. I've done, I've done it before, but like proper broadcast TV. So that'd be my, my goal. Kids TV would be lovely. CVC, if you're listening. Yeah, so that that's what I'm hoping for. In terms of actually booked in, like what have I got next? There's I'm just doing little bits here and there. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. little bits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool, awesome. Yeah. Second question is, what is one piece of advice to your younger self? I would say my one piece of advice to younger self is just to I know it's easier said than done, but to worry less about the small things because I think I used to obsess over the smallest, most insignificant things. And then you look back at them now and you're like, oh, I, why did I care about that one comment someone said, you know, as a joke once? Do you know? Yeah, but things like that. So I think for my, my, my advice would definitely be, if I could go back to my younger self, I'd say stop worrying about things people say because it doesn't matter and they probably don't even mean it half the time. But that is my advice. Stop worrying about the little things. Don't stress about the little things. And last and final question. This is one we ask every guest, kind of named after the show. What has been your most memorable third wheeling experience? Ooh. I'm lucky in, in terms of actually like dating third wheeling. It could be you being third wheeled or someone else third wheeling you or you third wheeling or fifth or seventh, whatever. <laughs> I think I'm lucky in terms of the fact that my friends, a lot of them are like, I'm in a friendship group of like boys and girls and like quite a few of the friends have been like dating within the group. So you don't ever feel that left out. And I've never really been around as a third wheel that much. Maybe I've just read the signs <laughs> that you're not supposed to be there. I have, I have felt like a third wheel once as in with an ex, and I felt like the third wheel when Mike was my ex and another Ooh. girl. That was a weird one because we were both friends of the girl and the way they were acting was went on a night out as a three and it was just a yeah, bit <laughs> inappropriate. So yeah, that's my most memorable, but I don't want to go yeah, into that, it too I much. because In case any of them, can you imagine one of them's listening, I'm just like yeah. <laughs> slagging them off. Yeah, so no, I have. I'm. I think I haven't had too bad one. I'm really interested now. I'm going to have to go back and listen to the end five seconds of every podcast to hear everyone's. Yeah. There, there's everyone's some good ones. There's some, really good ones. there's some good ones. <laughs> some ones that are just pain. Really? Um, yeah. It's definitely worth a listen. Obviously, listen to all our episodes. You'll find it everywhere. Um, the next <laughs> section. Nice little plug. Yeah, the next section is out like a call out slash nomination, and basically you can nominate one or many people um, to hopefully be a guest on in the future. Do you know what? I actually I was texting a presenting friend of mine as we started this <clears throat> and I said to her by the way I'm going to nominate you for this <laughs> podcast and she was like good um so her name is Catherine hey. Wilson and she's an Irish northern Irish presenter and she's a lot of fun so I recommend her for you guys awesome she's always a good storyteller as well oh I thought I heard the name before but I'm I'm looking at all the different Catherine Wilsons there and one of them I just saw was a British serial killer who was hanged for murder yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's that one. Actually, we're really good mates. Back in 1862. <laughs> this is her. I'll show you show you guys okay, for you. Cool. Awesome. 
we'll uh, we'll tag her when we release your episode. Good. That'd be cool. And last bit's a shout out. So basically, anything you want to, as the name suggests, just shout out, give like a little plug to, can be literally anything. So yeah, go for it. I'm just going to, do you know what? I'm going to just plug myself because <laughs> I've not got anything that I'm directly can plug at the moment. Um, unless you want to go and watch some toys being unboxed, <laughs> in which case go to the entertainer social media pages. Um, but yeah, just me. Come and come and say hi. My Instagram is at Esme Todd, E-S-M-E-T-O-D-D. So yeah, come and say hi and I'll say hi back. <laughs> Hamish? Yeah. Um, shout out to Loki's new album that should be out by this point. And then check us out on Twitch where we live stream at least every Sunday, maybe some other days in the week. And obviously check out the links regarding the safety of women and so on in the in the link in the description below. Cool. I'm going to shout out a new podcast rival on the scene. Pigs. Lost and Profound so it's run by three guys two of them have been previous guests uh, Deal and Rishav uh, but yeah they've just launched a new podcast called Lost and Profound so yeah go check them out go listen to their episodes first so we get some more views and then go check them out um, and yeah I think that's it for me uh, thanks Esme for coming on thank you it's been fun and yeah hope everyone else enjoyed it and we'll guess I guess we'll just speak to you next week all right, see you, everyone. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye. Have a good day. The studio is my second home. That's why I have it in my bedroom. I really do this all on my own. The shark quarry and my brother home. He was here from the day one. And not gonna lie, he's a